0: Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. Today, I'm joined by Rob Volpe, who is the CEO and empathy activist at Ignite 360. And he's also written a book. He's the author of Tell Me More About That which is very much in line with his empathy activism, talks a lot about how to be an empathetic business leader. Rob, such a pleasure to have you. How are you doing?
1: Good. Hi, Megan. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, We got a chance to meet, well, actually, we got a chance to meet at a conference about a month ago. And then you actually came in and did a talk at Dig um, about... Much of the content that you write about in your in your book, Um, but for anyone who doesn't know what it means to be an empathy activist, can you kind of yeah let let us know what does that mean for any listeners out there who don't really know what um, what it might mean
1: or can't imagine what that might possibly be? Um, Yeah, yeah. so it's a great question. I I I got drawn to the term empathy activist. So I saw somebody on LinkedIn used it. It was like eight years ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love that!" And I immediately messaged them and said, "Hey, would you mind if I use that as well?" Um, because I really love the tension between those two things. They're not things. They're not words that people would normally associate with each other. Empathy being about. Um, you know, it's a soft skill. It's seeing the point of view of other people or feeling the way other people are feeling. And then activism is, you know, let's take to the streets, let's bring about change, let's do something. And, but to me, those, those they do go together. And especially if we wanna make the world a better place, um, being an empathy activist is one way to do that. And it doesn't mean that I go take to the streets um, with my picket signs and all, although I have uh, have been to a few good protests in my life. But it's about championing and trying to bring about change. And if you really look at the definition of the word activism, it is about campaigning for change. Um, And then to me, I also felt that that is very similar to what we do in the insights industry. We are campaigning for change in our our clients' organizations through the work that we're doing. So we're building empathy and understanding with consumers or whoever the, the customer or the client. And working to try to bring about change, helping uh, clients make the decisions on the path that they need to go on. You know, whether it's a, a packaging decision or it's a bigger business strategy uh, consideration, we're part of that campaign to bring about that change. So, in effect, I think if you work in insights in any way, shape, or form, you are also, and I, I invite you to join me as empathy activists.
0: That's a really, really good description of what empathy activism is. Um, so thank you for that. I guess to take it um, in a different direction, why is this so important to you? Like, why is this work so important to you? Um, you mentioned, you know, having gone to a few um, protests in your day. Um, I just love to understand a little bit more about, yeah, what makes you tick and why empathy is, is so crucial.
1: Sure, and I don't want to give away everything that's in the book because it does have quite a lot of uh, personal stories and memoir, but I grew up in a small town in Indiana, so in the middle of the United States, pretty conservative, and we had come in, I was going into fifth grade, and my family had arrived, um, and the students, my classmates, within weeks of fifth grade starting, decided to tell everybody that I was gay. Um And that rumor spread like wildfire and this is 1980 so I, you know, it, a it's 1980 and then me myself on my personal journey I knew I was different, but I didn't understand how or why or even understand really what gay was I wasn't kind of sexually aware at that point. And that created a kind of living hell for me uh, for a few years. But empathy became a superpower for me. That was so I, I, I likened that moment to being the sort of Peter Parker spider bite, um, unleashing my superpower. Because I ultimately was able to use empathy as a way to survive. Um, because I would get to know my classmates. I'd you know ask them questions from a non judgmental perspective so they were kind of telling me anything and everything um and and I was doing that because it was I found that it would help with kind of rumor control or getting into um uh, tough situations kids wouldn't feel the need to jump in and spread the rumor or you know they, they'd walk away if somebody was kind of bullying me or I don't know recall that anyone stood up for me but at least they didn't glom on, um, and and so that lessened and dampened the the impact of the rumors or, or all the things uh, starting. So that that's the kind of very early origin point. And then throughout my career, I mean, I've just always been an empathetic individual, and you know believing in the goodness and equality in humanity and all of us as individuals, and that we all have a a story to share. We have a a purpose and a reason for being here. Um, And so that's led me to, you know, stand up for different causes. I was very involved in the 90s after I did come out. I was very involved in the gay rights movement, living in Los Angeles, put together a few different... uh, Fundraisers and and protest or parades uh participation. And then, you know, here in the 2000 or 2020s, 2016, I guess. I marked 2017. I marched in the women's uh march on January 21st, 2017, and did that a couple of times. Um, so yeah, I believe there are there's there are times and places for us to stand up for our rights, and there are different ways to um uh, go about, you know, as an activist for it. So you can campaign behind your desk, um, you know, stuffing envelopes, doing mailings, you know, communicating, writing uh, thought pieces, posting on social media. You can take to the streets, um, you know, in a protest march or or a sit-in or some other um, hopefully peaceful form of protest uh, to get get the word out and it takes all of us and it takes you know some people are more naturally inclined to take to the streets and they want to do that marching and others are like "Mm, yeah that's not my thing I believe in this cause but I'm not sure how I can support it oh well here there's here I can stuff envelopes and try to turn out the vote we need all of that, um, regardless of which side of the fence you're on, regardless of the cause, we need everybody to be actively participating in society in order to make the world a better place and make the, make it one that we want to live in and want to see.
0: Yeah, that's a very, that's super powerful. I think it's um, one of the things I really like is how this empathy activism or being an empathy activist, It seems like it's spanning. It's like bringing the maybe personal and professional kind of closer together, which I think is really nice in the sense that you're bringing something that maybe we, you know, this activism piece that maybe only lives on the personal side of um, your life. Um, You don't really necessarily consider it as something professionally um, that you need to incorporate. I like that it kind of spans both. Um, something I didn't think about the first time we chatted, but that's quite nice. I mean, on that note, what does empathy or practicing empathy mean within the business context or within the corporate world?
1: Sure. And, and I think, um, you know, as as we're in the insights industry, there's two different things. There's, you know, practicing empathy at work, but then there's also practicing empathy in our work um, and so in the actual function that we play and the role that we have within organizations um, and so practicing empathy at work which this is about everybody and how we show up and how we engage it doesn't matter what function you're in or your level in the organization but yeah, I mean it kind of comes down to are you treating other people the way you want to be treated yourself and I, I often ask people, like, think about what you, you know, the way you're engaging, communicating with somebody, how would it feel if you were on the receiving end of that? Is that what you're hoping for or looking for? And that's something that's really powerful, just having that sort of level of self-awareness, because that on its own can help you change your behavior because suddenly with awareness you have choice you have choice in how you want to respond or, or show up in different situations um but empathy it's fascinating like you know coming out of um the worst of the pandemic um There was suddenly this great resignation and you're seeing, you know, in the United States, more than 4 million people are quitting their jobs every single month that's been going on for over a year now. And those are largely white collar knowledge workers. And that's happening because they weren't feeling that they were getting supported by their leadership, um, amongst a couple other factors, but largely like during the pandemic, their bosses weren't there for them. Um, They weren't feeling supported. And so suddenly that bond, that connection was broken. The loyalty that somebody might have to an organization because it's like, well, do they really care about me? And then, oh, look, here's this other job. I'm going to go over here. Um, I'll make more money. I can work remotely. They seem like great people. And I'll give that a, a go. And that's worked for some. It's not worked for others. There's various articles that you read. And that's just kind of the normal course of life. But showing up as a manager, empathetically, it's about taking the time to listen and to be present and to talk with your colleagues, your direct reports, um, reflecting their perspective, reflecting what's going on with them, seeing who they are, what they're going through, and working with that, with them to get to a better sort of place. Um, And it scares a lot of Um, a lot of leaders at at different levels. There's some research from Business Solver. They do a state of workplace empathy study every year. One of the pieces of data they found, and I don't have the exact numbers correct, but they're within a few percentage points. But 75% of CEOs recognize that empathy is an important skill that they need to be practicing and demonstrating in their organization, they need to foster that. And about 70% of those CEOs also feel that they will be perceived as weak if they um, show empathy, um, that they're gonna be seen as being weak because they are using their empathy skills. So there's a huge barrier Um, to overcome where, you know, because from business school to, you know, media representations to what you actually are experiencing in the workplace, and it varies by industry, but there's some very traditional models of, this is what it means to be a manager, and it's, you know, cold-hearted, you know, unempathetic, not supportive, it's all about getting ahead, it's all about profit, it's all about you know these things which maybe makes for a, a an engaging tv dramatization but it I was is just
0: about to say that yeah, <laughs> have but... you watched industry rob it's <laughs> uh it's wild but yeah i sorry sorry continue
1: no it's it's true and, and so you and you are still seeing that today yeah. and then you have ted lasso um, show yes. up. And if you want to see an example of an empathetic leader, Ted Lasso is like probably the best one that's out there right now where he really recognizes what every individual's going through. He has his, you know own ways and sometimes they're they're a little uh, unconventional, but it gets the point across like he he's he helps everybody feel supported. And that has the effect of having everybody and especially because it's a, a football slash soccer team, depending on which country you're in. Um it has everybody playing and going in the same direction um and, and working together as a team. He ends up having that effect of pulling everyone together and getting them focused, and they come close to doing well. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: they come close to doing well I feel like I could talk about Ted Lasso for an entire episode I wonder if there's a way I could try and weasel that into um, one of the episodes we do maybe there's a maybe we do a follow-up on um just Ted Lasso as an empathetic leader but, I would uh... <laughs> love to have that conversation um... So
1: yeah, so it shows up at work, and and it doesn't matter whether you're a manager or you are a, an independent or individual contributor. You know, you have to collaborate with other people. You you know, for anything that you're doing, you have to you know, you're communicating, you're collaborating, you're making decisions. You might be problem solving or ideating. Empathy is part and parcel to that. It's and that's another misconception people have about empathy. They think, oh, if I have empathy, like. Hooray, I've arrived. And it's like, oh no, that's just a waypoint on your journey. You've got to keep going and use empathy in all these other skills um, that you have, because that is what's going to make you a great leader, team member, manager, volunteer. And then on your personal life, you know, friend, family member, partner, parent, all the things.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of interesting because I was about before you mentioned the stats from Business Solver, I was about to, to ask the question of like, why is this controversial? Do you know what I mean? Like, what like what about this is so um or or and not that it has to be, but then as soon as you mentioned um the stat around people believing that if they show too much empathy. They may be seen, or too much vulnerability. They may be seen as weak. Um, yeah, it kind of puts all of it into into context. I think depending on where you've worked, like I've never worked in an environment where um, people think like, that kind of behavior, like behavior from industry, for example, would be celebrated. But I guess if you if you have, or if that's kind of how you've grown up into the business world, um, it absolutely often is the way that people think you should act in in the workplace. So um, yeah, it's kind of good to to check myself there. So I was like, why is this, why is this controversial? Like, of course you want to show up as an empathetic leader, but um, yeah, in a lot of situations, that's not the norm.
1: Right. And um, you know, a lot of the leaders that really have succeeded actually do have a measure of empathy. They're not all cold-hearted. You know, we, we can look at the sort of ones that have the media spotlight, the tech titans right now, and I think those, uh, they are often the exception to the rule, but I would also look at Satya Nadella at Microsoft, who is a highly empathetic uh, leader, and he recognizes that leadership, empathy and leadership, it's just, it's another data point. Um, and you're taking into the consideration the feelings or the perspective of other people, and by doing that, it makes you better at everything that you do. But, you know, if you're going to sit down at the negotiating table with somebody over a contract, if you understand what they're looking for and what's going to you know satisfy them, and you know what you're looking for, you're going to be able to negotiate with them or against them much more effectively by having that other piece of data. It's not just a zero sum game of I want this and it must be this way. You know, you look at anything that gets done in Congress in the United States, it's when there's, you know, well, either one party just has absolute control or ideally when there's some ability to compromise and it takes empathy in order, what are you doing when you're compromising? You're seeing the point of view of somebody else and you're finding that middle ground. And you're not going to know where the middle ground is if you don't understand where the other person's coming from, because you don't know where the middle might be. Um, totally. So, yeah, it's so critical in everything that we do. Yet it's also, and I think to your point, like it's a soft skill and, you know, soft skills and EQ have become, you know, all the rage in the last 10 or 15 years and hallelujah. But. There's still, you know, there's so much subjective, like, how do I actually execute this? How do I actually be empathetic and, and demonstrate that? Um And so we need to do better at having um, a training opportunities or, you know, the talk that I gave to you guys a couple of weeks ago, I gave another one to another firm yesterday and we ended up, you know, I talked for like 35, 40 minutes. um, And then we had a 20 minute conversation as a group about how empathy was showing up for them or how you handled certain situations. And, and, Organizations need to move into a culture where it's okay to talk about this stuff. And we also have to have grace and forgiveness with ourselves that we're human. We're not going to get it right all the time. But what's important is that we're trying and that our attempts at trying are coming from a place of sincerity.
0: Yeah, I do think that even, I mean, there were lots of valuable things we learned from that session you gave us. But I think one of the big things, having spoken to my team, was really just remembering that it's a muscle you need to flex like remembering that that's something that you need to remember almost um that was really useful because it it starts to show up in meetings or you know in the work that you're doing um even from a marketing perspective um and that's kind of what I wanted to touch on next so we've talked about what it means to be an empathetic member of a team or member of a company but what does it mean to be an empathetic insights leader or an empathetic marketer? Um, like, tactically, how can people start to incorporate that into the work they're doing?
1: Yeah. So as particularly if you're in the insights function, um, you are definitely an empathy activist. You, you know, you got this job just like the you know partners, um, suppliers that you work with, whether it's Ignite 360 or Dig or Upside, we have to understand not only how the consumers are are feeling, but we've got to actually take our stakeholders and help them connect and and understand that and deal with anybody else that's, you know, if we have clients and then they've got stakeholders, it's it's this multi-layered um um, diagram of connection and you have to be really good at understanding empathy in order and understanding, like, how do I use this? What's getting in my audience's way? Um, the five steps to empathy came about, uh, which is what we, what I write about in the book and what we coach and, and train, um, that came about because we were doing these engagements. Clients wanted to get some empathy, um, they wanted to build connections with their their consumers. And we would do these activities. And there was a lot of judgment. The, client, the, the marketers in particular, which is who this was being done for, weren't able to always you know, bridge the gap. There were too many things that were getting in their way. They either weren't paying attention because they had other things going on or they were choosing to look at their phone or their laptop instead of having you know, being present. They had judgment because the consumer was making a choice that the marketer might not have made themselves, and they weren't able to see or understand get to get beyond their judgment to dismantle that. So if you're in the insights function, understanding and having that kind of um, mastery of cognitive empathy and understanding how to make that connection yourself and how to help your, your stakeholders do that is, is really critical. Um, and it's what we do every single day. It's, you know, and then it's finding the stories um, in the the research that you can bring forward and, and make that connection. And then if you're a marketer, I mean, you know, you, empathy is, uh, empathy is key there because if you're, you know, if you're in a role, whether you're working with the ch- retail channel, for example, you've got buyers. So there's a Another party that's selling your product directly to the consumer, you need to understand where that buyer is coming from, where the the retailer is coming from, what's important to them, and if you can do that and present how your product can solve their problem, then like hooray, home run. Um, very similarly, then if you're creating an ad campaign um, or a new product, you need to understand the role that your product or service fits the the problem it solves, the job to be done, choose your framework. Um, you need to understand what it does with the consumer. And you need to understand that deeply. It's it's an intellectual exercise, but you've got to make sure you don't have these um, um judgment hurdles that are going to get in the way as you because you've got to you know sprint to the finish line with your ad or getting a new product out. So it's super important to make sure that you're able to see who your consumer is, what makes them tick, how your product fits, and by understanding their point of view, where they're coming from, what their life is like, you're going to be able to make much better products and services and marketing campaigns.
0: Yeah, that um that makes a ton of sense. It's almost like research and empathy. Are there. I mean, I'm this is not true. I'm thinking out loud here, but like when you describe research or insights work, it's basically just empathy, but with tools to be more empathetic. Do you know what I mean? Like It feels like the same thing.
1: (laughs) Well, it is what, whether it's quantitative or qualitative, you are trying to understand how somebody thinks, feels, behaves, perceptions, opinions, beliefs, behaviors, attitudes. That's all empathy. Ultimately, you're trying to understand that. And you use different tools depending on what you're trying to understand. Um, and you know, hopefully, you're not just stopping at the quantitative data and like, oh, one third of all Americans do this. Well, okay, why? <laughs> What's going on? And yeah. you know, whether that's coming through in your survey and you've pulled that out, or you have some other um, research that can help tell you. But you, it's important to understand who the consumer is. That's empathy. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. maybe we should, we should start to campaign that all insights function should actually because start to empathy change itself activists. To the empathy Activists or the Empathy yeah. function.
0: Yeah, I'm down. I'll sign the petition. Okay. <laughs> um, okay will, and then
1: will the, the, you take to the streets at SMR with me for that? Uh,
0: um yeah absolutely. So you know what? The uh, booth uh, we were going to put up don't let's not even worry about that. We'll just we'll reposition it. It'll just be um empathy activists campaign headquarters.
1: Absolutely. Mr. <laughs> Dominic, let's get him on board. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so cool. Switching gears a little bit, um, I just wanted to, before we're running out of time a little bit, so this is probably the last, the last little um, question or piece of feedback I can get from you, but are there any brands that you think are doing a great job sort of leading with empathy, maybe Brands that you don't think are doing a good job, or um, uh, they don't seem to be, yeah, able to capture what's going on with their consumer, or um, understand what's going on with their consumer, or have empathy for for the consumer.
1: Yeah, so um, I, it, it's a really fine line for every brand to walk, and sometimes you nail it, and sometimes you totally miss it, um, and. You know, the one that I always go to that's been the, I think, the standout shining example for the last 20 years almost is is Dove and the Real Beauty campaign. And when you talk to anybody that was working on that, it was grounded in this deeper empathetic understanding of who the consumers were and, and kudos to them for once they unlocked that insight of the differences in the way that women perceive themselves and, and the definitions of beauty the way that beauty is different around the world they stuck to their guns and they were able to launch that campaign. That brand has had tremendous growth and success over time. So, you know, anytime somebody points to, you know, oh, what's the ROI on empathy? It's like, well, Dove went from, I think it was like $4 billion to $10 billion as a brand. I mean, it's a massive global brand now, um, but they also don't always get it right. And, you know, Megan, you had pointed out as we were talking that um, different bottle shape campaign they did four or five years ago that did not loved a little
0: bit
1: yeah yeah left it left something to be desired maybe didn't have empathy necessarily with um ultimately with the consumer you know I, I have to imagine they tested it somehow to get consumer feedback and
0: i'm sure you
1: know um and then there's the campaign of um changing your skin and that sort of feeling and yeah they sadly made some transitions there in the campaign that didn't really reflect properly, you know, having having a Black woman morph into a white woman is not, just not good. It's, um, yeah.
0: It's, and, and it's and funny how it's it's like those executional decisions, right? Like, it's like the, you almost have to have like empathy touch points at each phase. Like we talk about, the innovation pipeline and innovation research and the different sort of phases of, um, you know, screening and concept testing and, um, you know, content uh, concept optimization like that kind of thing, you almost need to build in like that check or or sense check at each stage. Yeah,
1: and you know, I don't have the inside track on. I didn't work on any of those campaigns. I don't know how they came about and what testing they did. But yeah, like, was there a DEI consultant that was brought in? Did they, you know, I can see, I mean, very commonly for testing comms, you're going to either do it quantitatively, you're going to put it into a group. And it's like, well, did you test it with black women with a black moderator? Or did you have black women with a white moderator where there may be, especially in that group dynamic, there's going to be some, um, you know, suppression of willingness to speak up. They're going to want to try to conform and and do what the the white moderator, say what they think the white moderator wants. Um, You know, you need some of those conversations, they actually need to be done when there's that level of sensitivity, you need to do IDIs. And have you know like on like and and you know I, I've found myself as a moderator when I'm able to have conversations with people that are different from me when they're one-on-ones, um, and get what I feel is a pretty authentic and and has been you know kind of validated by other peers, like, yeah, that's a pretty authentic uh, presentation because yeah. it's easier for them to show up versus like the group dynamics that get started. And so Yes, I think if anything that you're doing that's going to have, you know, particularly the marketing campaigns, because they cost a lot of money, they're really quick to, you know, social media is vicious and really fast at calling you out and can get you, you know, can do damage to your brand. So it's worth taking the time to do it right, to ask the questions to show it around, get feedback, is this, is this working? Um, you know, the kind of giving a Pepsi to a bunch of police officers while she's standing with a bunch of, you know,
0: oh.
1: uh, frenzy, multicultural, you know, multifaceted, diverse audience. And it's like, ouch, oh my God. Yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Actually, that's a really good insight that you just shared in terms of, or, you know, maybe it's something that goes through researchers heads all the time but just this idea that um you know even in a focus group or or something where there's a group of people you can definitely be potentially less or you might feel like you can be less vulnerable or less open than you would be if you were just talking one-on-one to someone um and I hadn't really thought about that before but it's a good tip especially if you're dealing with super sensitive kind of topics or um subject matter so no I appreciate that and I
1: We have to be aware of the bias that's going to show up in the room from both the researcher as well as the participants and um, how that's going to inform everything.
0: Yeah Um, I, I agree with you on the Real Beauty campaign like I remember those being like so amazing like when they first came out I just remember feeling very seen and I think that that's Probably the the biggest compliment that a, a marketer could get is like, wow, I felt so seen and understood by this campaign. Um, I thought it was amazing. That's a great yeah. reference point. Any, any other brands that you wanted to call out? You know,
1: I've been, um, I'm a regular flyer on United Airlines. And so their ads get thrown into my feed or I see them on the planes. Um, they've got a new um, good campaign, I think is what I would call it. And they do a nice job of looking kind of holistically at, at all the different touch points from the passenger side and the passenger experience, as well as the, um, employees and kind of in that, you know, stories of good, the things that we're trying to do, um, and airlines, you know, are in, <laughs> millions of passengers every single day and like it's 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 a thankless sort of job um but I think that campaign is doing a nice job to reflect you know ultimately why people are traveling what the needs are and how they are and positioning themselves as you know being there to help um create these positive experiences for people Um, so yeah I think United's one that just kind of popped into my head
0: Amazing. Rob, this has been such a pleasure. Um, Before we go, can you let people know where to find your book? Tell me more about that.
1: Yes. Uh, Tell me more about that, Solving the Empathy Crisis, one Mm -hmm. conversation at a time. So wherever people prefer to buy books, they can find the book. Um, It's available in hardcover. It's also available as an audiobook. I narrated it. I'm really happy with how that turned out. So if you're an audiobook person, please check that out.
0: Um, And
1: it's also available as an ebook if that's your your jam. Um, And then on all the platforms, I mean, Amazon and then all the major retailers and the indies as well. And um, so wherever people would like to find it, uh, you can learn more about me uh, by visiting ignite-360.com. And you can also find me on the socials, uh, Rob Volpe. If you just put in Rob Volpe, empathy activist into um, your search on pretty much anything, but like LinkedIn, You'll find me there. Uh, I'm Empathy Activist at Instagram. Um, And I just encourage people to please reach out, ask questions. Um, I I love talking to people. So I always try to make the time.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, We'll be back next week. But until then, I'll talk to you soon, Rob.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Megan. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights, and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.